the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Great to be with you today on this rainy afternoon. I hope that you are safe out there and having a a very, very good day. Maybe you are going to be elected Speaker of the House in the United States House of Representatives. Did you know that uh, you don't actually have to be a member of the House to be elected Speaker, that maybe you can just, any one of us can uh, be elected, and the way things are going, uh, that might be the way it works. Question, the U.S. House is in order and divided, and it can't get to business. What it means is that the House of Representatives can't do any other business. They can't vote on bills, they can't debate anything, they can't pass anything, they can't spend any money, they can't do anything until they get a Speaker of the House. No one's even getting sworn in. And for two days now, two whole days, the United States House of Representatives has not been able to function because six times they have voted for a speaker and six times nobody has gotten a majority. You know what that means? That means that over the last two days, Congress has had the most fiscally responsible two days in the past 35 years. I say keep it going. Maybe they don't ever elect a speaker. Maybe that's something that they can do. Imagine that if they don't elect a speaker, then I guess uh, they don't spend any money. And uh, nothing happens that would kind of limit the Senate and what everybody can do. There's a lot to be said about a government that doesn't get anything done, that maybe that is a better time for the country. In the the old days, there used to be a guy named – a commentator named Will Rogers. He was kind of the – I don't know, the George Will of the day or kind of a combination between George Will and Andy Rooney maybe. Will Rogers. There's a Will Rogers airport in – where is it? Austin, Texas is the Will Rogers airport, which I always find interesting because – he uh, Will Rogers died in a plane crash, and it's interesting to name an airport after a guy who died in a plane crash. I think that's the only one I know about. Anyway, uh, Will Rogers said in 19, I believe, 23, when President Harding had a stroke. At the time, they didn't think President Harding was going to die. He did. Um, but he was disabled for the summer. And also Congress was out of session and the Supreme Court was out of session. And Will Rogers said it was the most productive time in our government's history. So you never know. It's a funny line meant to be funny back then. It was less funny when the president actually passed away. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing for our government to be divided. The founders wanted it that way because then when things get passed, it's probably because it's the right thing. But here's a question I've got. We can joke about the Congress not getting their job done, and obviously they actually need to get their job done. Um, And they need to do what is right. Whether or not they will is a whole other question. And we can joke about them being divided, unable to move on, and having all of this inside baseball and inside fights. I think in a couple of weeks nobody's going to care. I think the story goes away. But that is certainly the main story today. But here's a question. Here's what got me thinking. And there's a comment that somebody made, I'll play in a few minutes, that made me wonder about this. Do we struggle in the same way in our in our churches? Are we divided over issues that are secondary or they're just power struggles or inside baseball, inside politics? And is that keeping the church from getting anything done? 
What would Jesus tell us about the church today, and how do we have more unity? You have any thoughts about that? Give me a call. You can call me right now at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And you can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. So uh, what happened in the House today, if you're paying attention, there is, you know who AOC is, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat from New York. A uh, young woman won a couple of years ago by going door to door and uh, speaking basically to uh, thousands of voters, and she won. She beat a, a longtime Democrat who had stopped paying attention a long time ago. And she does something that helps her reach out particularly to younger people and people who are on social media. She gives long play-by-play sort of reports on her Instagram and other social media. And she started doing this uh, today to explain what happened in the House today. What happened on the House floor today? Basically, the first day of a new Congress um, is supposed to be largely procedural, largely, um, how would you say, um, sorry, Deco, come here, one second, guys, Deco, oh no, he's just chilling, sorry, Deco's just chilling. All right, well, she had to go get her dog, her dog ran away, which is something that happens, it's sort of like... <laughs> It's live on Instagram, and she went to go get her dog, and then she spends about 55 minutes trying to get to the point. And, you know, actually, some of it is just some of what she does is her opinion, of course, and uh, she would be on the far left side of things uh, with her opinion on different things. But uh, also a lot of it, though, is just sort of play-by-play of what happens. So she talks about how the people in Congress, when you have a new Congress, you get a new pin. They all wear this little pin on a little pell. Maybe you've noticed it sometimes. Uh, but uh, I learned something. I didn't realize it was a new pin every two years. She said that. I thought that's pretty interesting because, you know, if you lost, if you're not in the Congress anymore, you you shouldn't be allowed to wear that other pin. It kind of gets you in places. It's almost like a badge. Uh, I used to do some things in uh, the political world. And if I was doing something where Secret Service was involved or some kind of group, they would give me a little pin to wear. And that's how they uh, know not to shoot you, apparently, if you're somewhere near somebody important. And that's what they do with uh, uh, Congress people. I thought that was interesting. So there's interesting tidbits like that, along with her opinion. That, by the way, if you ever wonder why somebody like her gets really popular, she does work really hard. And she connects with people where people actually are. And where people live today is on their social media. Good, bad, or indifferent, that is where people live today. She has, just on Instagram alone, over 635,000 people following her. To put that in a little bit of perspective, that is larger than the typical program on CNN. Like she, just herself, has her own television station, and she gets more viewers than CNN. And it's a lot more viewers if you just take away all the people who are watching CNN at the airports which are sort of forced on you. So that's why, you know, a lot of people have some powerful voices out there. And if you're wondering why some people rise to different levels of that, sometimes it's because they're actually having the conversation where people are actually listening. There's a lot of Christians who are having really good conversation on social media. It's a dark place. I think if you don't understand it, you got to stay out of it because it's something that will steal, it'll steal your soul, social media. Um, but more and more people are going there for news. In fact, uh, TikTok being the, the new one and apparently um, something that the government is getting ready to make illegal, uh, at least illegal for government officials. It's because the Chinese government owns the company that runs TikTok, and that means they have access to all of your personal information. I don't know if I particularly care what the Chinese government thinks about 
me and my internet habits. I don't have things to hide, but uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a weird world that we live in. Anyway, you got to be very careful. We'll do, a, we'll do a subject on that later on. Getting back to uh, what's happening here. So the Republicans can't pick a speaker. Democrats, you know, Democrats, Republicans have this problem, it seems to me, more often than Democrats. Democrats seem to eventually, they have fights. And there are huge divisions among the Democrats. Don't, don't misunderstand. A huge, huge division between sort of the far left woke, whatever crowd you want to say, and your typical liberal Democrat, huge division there. It's a major problem for them. But at the end of the day, what Democrats tend to be able to do is eventually coalesce around people who can win. It's just something that I think, I don't know why, but it seems like Democrats do that a little bit better than Republicans. And they move the ball forward maybe a couple of yards or they move get knocked back a few yards once in a while, but they stay together. Republicans right now uh, are losing a lot of ground. Most likely. Uh, Democrats are literally bringing popcorn into the chamber and just sitting there uh, eating it. And uh, Representative Colin Allred from Texas was asked today if they're getting paid. And and this is what he said. Are you getting paid? (laughs) I actually don't know. (laughs) And uh, we were joking last night on the floor uh, about that. We're saying, well, we're going to have to try and get back pay for this uh, because, you know, we are not sworn in. Uh, We're actually just kind of operating a little bit on faith here. Uh, We've moved into offices that are not authorized. It's a a complete mess, Hallie, and it's also historic. And as I said, it's hurting folks out there who need us to hit the ground running. Mm. This this is a big country. There's a lot to do. We should be getting to work on it. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. That was Texas Representative Colin Allred being asked if they're even getting paid uh, because they don't have a speaker. And by not having a speaker, it means they are not being sworn in. So actually... You know, there, there's some legislative authority they have to pick a speaker, but apparently they're not really Congress people. And there's a funny controversy going on about the offices. If you've ever been there, the Speaker's office, okay, the Speaker of the House's office, it's in the Capitol building. And it's kind of this fancy office. And when you get in there, there's a balcony and there's other stuff. And they put the name sort of etched on the, you know, there it says Nancy Pelosi. And I'm imagining that it either has no name right now. Or it still has Nancy Pelosi, or maybe it says Kevin McCarthy, because the controversy is, is all of his stuff has already moved in there. And it's because this has not happened in 100 years, that the speaker has not literally 100 years. Since 1923, our government has, either party has been able to pick a speaker right away. So it's been 100 years. And But the other things that happen, just for efficiency, is that most of the offices that Congress people have are not in the Capitol building. They are in office buildings up and down the street there. And so everybody's got their office, and that's where everybody assumed Kevin McCarthy's office would eventually be. Still could be, but I think there's some doubt about that now. Uh, and all of his stuff's in there. So now people are saying, you got to get your stuff out of there. You're not, you may not be the speaker, which makes me wonder, does that mean that you know, just for practical purposes – Whenever they get a speaker, do they have to pull all his stuff out of there and then he just trades with whoever is stuck in whatever office? And what if they nominate a speaker who's a freshman to Congress who they give the lousy office to? Some people have like kind of nice offices because they've been around for a while in a better building and those kinds of things. But if you're new, you get the crummy office that's really a closet and uh, you got stacks and weird stuff all around. That might be where he ends up. I don't know. And uh, so those are those are things that people inside talk about. But one of the things that is also happened today that people are talking about is the group of people of Republicans who are objecting to Kevin McCarthy becoming the speaker. And people are sort of, you know, there's obviously division in the Republican Party over different things. 
nobody's real certain what they hope to accomplish here because nobody knows if it's not Kevin McCarthy, who's it going to be? The other people being nominated are only getting 20 votes, and probably there's some other group of people who will never vote for whoever that group of people would put forward. And uh, it's possible that a Democrat would become Speaker of the House. That would kind of uh, disrupt the party for uh, Republicans taking over the House. But that is where it's headed if the Republicans don't get it together. One of the people who was nominated today is Florida Representative Byron Donalds. And uh, he got only just a few votes, and he's kind of this, just the, the candidate that they, they nominated. But it raised a lot of eyebrows. And now with the possibility of McCarthy withdrawing, some people wonder if he is a possibility because he would be the first African-American to become Speaker of the House. And, uh, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. He was asked about it. Are you a serious candidate or not? Congressman, are you actually running for speaker, or is this more about just continuing the conversation and, and finding a place where Kevin McCarthy can be the next speaker? Well, they nominated me, didn't they? Congressman. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, look, I think uh, right now it's it's something where I told my colleagues, like, I didn't come to D.C. being interested in becoming Speaker of the House. Um, but I also understand that, you know, part of my responsibility is to make sure that our conference gets to a point where we are doing the things um, in an effective and construction, constructive way, excuse me, uh, that we campaign on back home. And so I, I'm, I'm going to help do that any way I can. That's Florida Representative Byron Donalds. I don't know. It's uh, If McCarthy drops out, I, I doubt that it's going to be him because – there's just so much politics. And at the end of the day, this could go on for a long time. Democrats nominated their new leader, Hakeem Jeffries. It's not out of the question that he becomes Speaker of the House. He would otherwise be the minority leader, but he could become Speaker of the House because all it would take is just a, uh, what, nine Republicans. If nine Republicans vote with the Democrats, then that guy becomes Speaker of the House. That's not out of the question. It could be anybody. It could be somebody from the outside, although I doubt it. What will happen eventually is they will try to find some kind of compromise, and most of the other people uh, will figure it out. By the way, if Hakeem Jeffries becomes Speaker of the House, then he would also be the first African-American Speaker of the House. Uh, Trivia, though, that is not entirely true. It is true, but in May 1874, a congressman named from South Carolina, Joseph Rainey, And he was a Republican from South Carolina. He became the first African-American to actually preside over the House of Representatives as Speaker Speaker Pro Temper. And in the closing hours of Congress in 1878, he was one of the few – part part of what he was known for – he was known a lot for his work on what was the Civil Rights Act of 1875 – But he was also known for being one of the few sober members of Congress, and uh, one of the reasons he was in charge is because everybody else was, I guess, asleep in the chairs. And uh, they weren't getting much done uh, back then. So back to to the story. i got a story about him maybe we'll get to in a little bit. You're listening to Southern California Live. If you'd like to join in our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA. Dot com. So what's happening is that uh, the Republicans and Democrat Republicans are having a fight amongst themselves. And it's interesting to watch different types of news reporters try to comment on it. Like I said, I think that eventually in a couple of weeks they'll have a speaker. Somehow this will work out. People will be happy or they'll be sad, but uh, we'll probably forget about it. It could be McCarthy. It could be somebody else. McCarthy won't forget about it if that's the case. Um, but this is what I think is interesting, and this is where I think We need to really take a look at this as believers and even ask some questions about ourselves. This is James Carville on uh, MSNBC. 
in a party fight, when Democrats and Republicans, but we don't much like each other. Intra-party fights, they really hate each other. Mm. And the residual effects of this, then, and they're not going to go away like somebody and say, well, that's a, it's all over now. All right, gang, let's go back to work and get a cut in capital gains. No, it's not going to work like this. What James Carville is talking about is something that happens within people for some reason, that when we're uh, when people are sort of fighting against the other side and they're unified on their team, uh, you don't necessarily hate the other side, but you you stick with the point, you get things done, or you win or lose, but you keep going, uh, and it actually unifies your team when you're on point. But when you're having an internal fight, whether it be in your family or in your church or in your business, when you're having internal struggles, it gets nasty. It can get really, really nasty. And Joe Scarborough on MSNBC said this uh, about that. People yesterday, when they were looking at Jim Jordan, uh, and, and Jim Jordan was giving the speech for Kevin McCarthy, and they said, oh, you know, I heard commentators on TV. Well, if Jim Jordan's giving the speech for Kevin McCarthy, that means he certainly doesn't want to be speaker himself. And I was just sitting there going, oh, no, 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 that's what we always look out for. And you are right. People are thinking that, that you know, Steve Scalise is a guy that, that could get 218 votes. Well, people that are close to Kevin McCarthy are probably going to try to block that. And they're going to block that because, as you said, these inter-party fights, that's where it really gets ugly. It's like a theology fight inside of a church. Uh, you, you, you're, you're not as angry as people at other churches as you are, Jim, uh, James, for people inside your own church. I always think it's interesting when people suddenly bring church into something that's not church. And I thought, well, Joe Scarborough probably has some uh, some church experience. Not recently, because he's not acting like somebody who follows Jesus, <clears throat> if you're following that. Oh, but, you know, it's uh, it bothered me that that comparison was made. And I started to think about it. And I started to think, you know, I, I'm joking about how great it is that Congress can't get anything done because that saves us some money. I think it's Mark Twain who once said something to the effect of your liberty, your property, and your income is never safe while Congress is in session. And uh, it's funny and it's kind of true. And people joke about this with Congress. But when we start to make the comparison with church, it's a lot more serious, isn't it? And I'm wondering, you know, how are we doing in the church in being unified? Do we let in our own churches or between churches or between different groups, do we let small things get in the way of us actually being productive? And how do we get past that? Because I think that we get we get passionate about things, right? We get passionate about sometimes internal things, like if, especially if you're really arguing about how to reach people, which sometimes happens, sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes we just sort of take our side And we do this in all kinds of places in life, right? But in the church, this is a pretty serious thing when we suddenly take our side about something that really is not that important. Have you ever had that happen before? Where you take sides on something that's just not particularly important? 888-528-2557. And uh, Jesus knew we were going to do that. That's why Jesus in John 17 prays for the unity of believers, you know, and Jesus knew, he knew that there would be all kinds of things that divide us, that we would have all kinds of things that separate us from 
you know, there's some theological and doctrinal matters. Now, there's there's some that divide us in such a way that if you believe one way, you're not actually a Christian because you don't believe in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, right? You don't believe that he's the Savior. There's there's things that, that take you outside of reasonable doctrinal discourse, okay? Um, but for most people who confess Jesus as Lord, who believe he's the Savior, who believe that he died and he rose again from the grave, who believe that whoever believes in him will have eternal life, who has, you know, and there's a lot of depth to that and a lot of importance about that. And, and the thing is, is that the, the Lord's going to know what you believe in your heart. Okay, the Lord is is the one who judges you. Jesus is going to be the one to separate, you know, the sheep and the goats. Jesus is the one who uh, will you know, do that separation. And we may be surprised one day of uh, how that gets divided out because it's hard for us on the outside often to, to know. And it's, it's kind of not up to us, but what it is up to us is that we stay unified in purpose. That as the church, that we don't look like Congress. And that's something I think that we should think about when we're taking a look at what's happening in Congress and maybe we have strong feelings about it. Maybe we don't care. This might be really boring news, you know, that what's happening in Congress. It's, it's entertaining if you're a, a you know a policy wonk and if you listen to talk radio or you like the news you know it's it's ruling the day mostly uh, in the news. But I always think it's important to go a little bit deeper and ask ourselves questions. Whatever side you might be on, is when you hear somebody compare what's happening in Congress to a theology fight in church, probably he's been to one of those before or he's heard about it. And sometimes it's not a theology fight. Sometimes it's a fight about, you know, the carpet. Everybody always says the carpet, but I guess when we're talking about church arguments, that must be something people fight about all the time. I personally don't care about the carpet. I, my first, uh, when I first became pastor at uh, my last church 18 years ago, they got new, is a new sanctuary that they built and they had this carpet that was fine, purplish carpet. And what I liked about it, I didn't care about the color or the design or anything, but my first week there, I spilled an entire uh, mocha cappuccino right in the middle of the carpet, right in the, in the aisle. And they had signs on the window, you know, don't bring food in here, don't bring food in here, don't bring food in here, you know, and uh, we took those down eventually. But uh, I spilled that thing and I thought there's going to be a big splat right here in the brand new carpet. What I liked about that carpet is you couldn't tell and they, they got it right out and you didn't even notice. Uh, otherwise, I don't care. And uh, actually, if there was a big stain, I don't care. There's, you know, we all we could have come up with some kind of sermon illustration. You know, we come in here stained, but the Lord cleans us. You know, something like that. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. If you want to join the conversation about unity in the church, how do we do more together as a church? How do we get past the things that don't matter that much, the things that are secondary issues, and work together as the church for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Eight 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 five two eight. Two five five seven. When we come back, I'll give you some examples of uh, things that have divided us a little bit more about uh, the history of the house and some things that I think you'll find interesting. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. People yesterday, when they were looking at Jim Jordan, 
uh, and, and Jim Jordan was giving the speech for Kevin McCarthy, and they said, oh, you know, I heard commentators on TV, well, if Jim Jordan's giving the speech for Kevin McCarthy, that means he certainly doesn't want to be speaker himself. And I was just sitting there going, oh, no, 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 that's what we always look out for. And you are right. People are thinking that, that you know, Steve Scalise is a guy that, that could get 218 votes. Well, people that are close to Kevin McCarthy are probably going to try to block that. And they're going to block that because, as you said, these inter-party fights, that's where it really gets ugly. It's like a theology fight inside of a church. Uh, you, you, you're, you're not as angry as people at other churches as you are, Jim, uh, James, for people inside your own church. That was Joe Scarborough on MSNBC, and he was comparing what's going on in Washington, D.C. as the House fights about finding a speaker. Uh, to churches that have internal fights, and this is a mostly internal Republican fight. And I thought about that, and I thought, is that the reputation we have? My guess is that Joe Scarborough has been to church somewhere uh, in his life. And, you know, somebody once told me, I don't know where I got this, but they said there's a couple of things you never want to know about. You don't want to know how they make sausage, and you don't want to know how a church operates. And I think the point of that is that sometimes, you know, in the, the nitty gritty of, of church and the business of it and all this, you know, people get into squabbles about very much the wrong thing. And when I think about that, and I've been in ministry myself for 25 years professionally, my dad was a pastor, he's still a pastor. So almost my whole life, I have been around inner workings of Jesus's church. And I'm always drawn to a couple of things. First of all, when we talk about this, to remember that the church is Jesus's wife and that when we get critical about the church, you got to think about, and that, that's kind of become a, uh, I don't know, a, a cool thing to do today, right? Is criticize the church. Be careful about that because the church is Jesus's wife. I don't like it when people criticize my wife. I don't like it at all. Even if they've got some kind of a point, I'm probably going to ignore that point if the way they're doing it is mean, if the way they're doing it is cruel, or if it upsets her. I think Jesus feels that way about Christians when we get too critical about the church. I don't think he means that we shouldn't take a look at it. I think, in fact, he calls us to. One of the things I also think is interesting about Jesus and the church. By the way, this is Southern California Live. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, Jesus, in the book of Revelation, calls out churches for all kinds of things. So it isn't that we aren't supposed to examine ourselves. It isn't that, now Jesus himself, of course, he has a different role. He's the groom. He is the leader. So it's different when he does that. So, But I think that he's calling us to, to take a look at ourselves, and we definitely should do that. And that's really, really important. And we got to ask ourselves, what is it that Jesus cares about? And do the things that really bug us in the culture or in our church or in other places, are we upset about the things that Jesus is upset about or are we upset about something else? Like are the things that Jesus is the most upset about in our churches or in the culture or whatever it is, are those the things that actually we're upset about or are we more upset about something that happens in our services that makes us uncomfortable or that isn't traditional enough or it's too traditional or it's something that, you see what I'm getting at? And this is a, it's a humbling thing you know, for us to really take a look at what it means to have unity in the church. And we should never be, con we should never be compared to Congress. 
we should never be, you know, Congress is Congress. It's not even bad, actually, that they don't have a speaker for a couple of days. Like I said before, they're not spending any of your money. You know, good. Um, There are, you know, it's probably healthy in some ways, some of what uh, is happening, because people need to see the dysfunction of our government. But we shouldn't have that. How do we stay focused and missional in church? How do we have unity? Jesus prays for this in um, John 17, unity in the church. It's because he knew that there would be places of disunity. I was reading this article about, um, you know, somebody's always doing a study about something. And 50% of church people think it's okay to uh, drink alcohol, and 50% of church people don't. Uh, I don't think it's a very good study. I would say that it's a lot more than 50% who say that it's okay. <laughs> I When I became a lead pastor, I had this guy take me out. L- wonderful guy. Love Jesus. Great guy. Takes me out to lunch. And the purpose of the lunch was for him to say this to me. We had a great conversation about all this other stuff. And then the only thing he wanted to uh, let me know is this, that he felt that it was okay for him and his wife to you know, have a drink together once in a while, that we're not going to get drunk. We never get drunk, but it's okay for us to have some wine or to have a beer and to do that. But then what he said is, but it's not okay for you to do that, Pastor. <laughs> and I thought that's pretty funny that you went through great lengths to show how it's okay for you, but not okay for the pastor. Okay, that was his point. And, you know, Christians have, have views about all kinds of things. By the way, the scripture talks a lot about not getting drunk. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Great sermon material there. When you're drunk with uh, wine or alcohol, you're not in control of yourself. It might control what you do, but if you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God controls what you do. Right? See, you can preach that. Proverbs 21, 20 verse 1. Here's another one. Wine is a mocker, a strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Oh, that's a good one, too. See, people have always kind of dealt with uh, with this kind of things. But it's it's always about drunkenness. And that is what really, really matters. But so people get divided about that. People get divided about uh, I was dealing with a church a while ago. I think I told you the story before. But uh, for those of you who are new, uh, I can't get over the story because I was dealing with a church that was in conflict and that often happens is that some church is in conflict over something and pastors call other pastors, you know, and you try to resolve it or you try to work with that pastor. And, you know, it's it's harder when you're in the middle of it to see what you really need to see. It's much easier where you're on the outside. That's why it's for whatever you might be going through in your life. It's a great thing to have outside counsel, to have people who don't necessarily have a dog in your fight, but who can speak honestly with you about things. So anyway, I was dealing with this and they were having a fight over uh, communion, the Lord's Supper. And the fight was about um, what kind of grape juice to use. So they they didn't use wine. And it was a, a church like typical Protestant church where uh, the congregants will have the bread and the wine um, together or the, the grape juice. It's usually grape juice. Okay. And they were arguing about the flavor of the grape juice and the color of the grape juice, and it was it was becoming a big thing. Now, these things are usually about power struggles that have nothing to do with the grape juice, but that was kind of the, the focus of it. And he called me one time eventually to say that we solved the issue of the grape juice and the communion. And I said, you did? What did you, what did you decide to do? And he said, we decided not to have communion at all. We're just not going to do it. 
<laughs> and I said, well, that's one way to solve that issue, uh, but that's the wrong way to solve that issue. Uh, you know, it, we can get so distracted by all of this stuff. Can I give you some things? You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you find yourself you know, kind of wound up over things that may not be what Jesus is upset about. I don't think Jesus is concerned about, oh, what they were fighting about is whether or not to use Welch's or Juicy Juice. Like they got real specific about the brand. And I I don't think Jesus cares at all about the brand. It's just not at all. You shouldn't even be having this discussion. In fact, people shouldn't even know. Somebody's job, this is what I said, somebody's job should be to go out and buy the stuff and it doesn't matter what they buy. And if people don't like the taste, well, you know, gosh, you know, people got baptized in the Jordan River. It was muddy and dirty and dark and disgusting. And, uh, you know, people probably bathed in it and animals died in it and people went to the bathroom in it. Uh, It was actually a perfect uh, place, you know, to demonstrate the washing away of sins and the covering up of judgment, all kinds of things, resurrection of the body from death. Uh, but it was nasty. You know, not like now where we get in the, you know, the hot tub and, uh, you know, enjoy that. What do we do to have unity in the church? Why would Jesus pray about it? Here's a couple of things, some thoughts. You got some thoughts about this? You can call me 888-528-2557. But here's something that I think, I think it matters. And this is something as we go into a new year, you just got to think about it. The mission is about G- about eternal life. When you think about the purpose of your church, the purpose of being a Christian, the purpose that Jesus has, the, the unity that he is calling us to, right? He prays in John 17 that we would have unity. And the prayer is meaningful in so many ways. It's Jesus preaching, you know, praying for you. He prays for his disciples, and he prays for you, for those of us who would come after, he says. That's us. And I think, I think it's meaningful just that he's praying for you. But what's he praying for with respect to you, with respect to the church? Unity. And that unity is in mission and purpose. See, the mission we have is about eternal life. John 17, 1 says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is Jesus speaking, by the way, okay? If you're, you know, kind of a red letter person, well, this is Jesus declaring himself to be the only true God in the only way. Uh, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. You know, his hour has come. It's who he has sent. Sent is the same word here used for apostle or missionary, someone who is caused to, you know, do something because somebody sent them. This is Jesus talking about eternal life. This is what is on Jesus's mind all the time, the eternal life of you and I and the people we know. If you want to have unity in your church or unity with other believers or people who go to different churches or maybe have a different service style or have some different uh, you know, ways of doing things, the way you have unity is you focus on eternal life. 
That's the beginning of it. There's more, and I'll take your calls and talk with you about that when we get back. The number is 888-528-2557. i got to take a break. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Hope that you're staying safe out there in the storm, the bomb cyclone. Atmospheric river, they call it. I think it's just a big storm. I don't know that those are even real terms. Where do those come from? Somebody, you know, I think somebody made that up on the Internet. 888-528-2557. We're not really talking about the storm, but we are talking about how to have unity in the church and looking at what's happening in Congress and the disunity that is there. Uh, a reporter compared that to church meetings, and I thought that's not a good comparison, although in that it, you know, it is sometimes. That shouldn't be us. Jesus prayed that we have unity. How do we have unity? What are your thoughts? 888-528-2557. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, sir, Scott, Ted, City of the Angels, and uh, how are you, sir? I'm good. You staying dry? I'm working in interior. All right, the good Lord for you. Always, the Lord always gives me what I need. When I first got sober in uh, 97, I sang in the choir at uh, my church, Culver City Grace Lutheran, where I used to sing in the children's choir, and I always wanted to sing in the adult choir, and I did it. And now the problem I had was at communion, there was a lady that— uh, uh, basically had an attitude every time I had to make sure it wasn't alcohol because they gave you a choice. They gave you the punch in the center, those little tiny glasses. So I kept making sure because I didn't want to drink anymore. Yeah. And she had an attitude, so I made a meeting with her in pastor's office and told her that's not to happen again. It's disrespectful. So their answer was that uh, now they, they don't use those little little glasses. They have three different vases. And you can dip your wafer in it, and nobody drinks from it. And it has, uh, you know, the fermented, the medium, and then it has punch, which was a great answer. And uh, because there's people that don't have a problem with uh, yeah. drinking, Jesus called it the fruit, the fruit of the vine. He didn't call it wine or anything else. So, you know, um, that was that was great. Instead of getting rid of communion, that that's to me is ludicrous. But. Yeah. Uh, if you're just tuning in, I told a story about a church that got rid of communion because they were having a fight over what brand of grape juice to buy. Uh, yeah, that's that's childish. Yeah. And so, we're supposed to... Hey, Ted, as, as somebody who used to be, you know, uh, have an alcohol problem, you found that to be a good solution? To have just the different I, I, options I in there? It was fantastic. Yeah. I, I've actually... Jesus said, uh, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. So he didn't really give you a set place to do it. I've actually done it on the job with grape juice and, and right. whatever bread I got, whatever bread I got. But I mean, that was a solution for you. And, I, and that's what I was curious about, because people argue about that whole thing, too. But but you still get to do what Jesus wants you to do. So that's good. Amen. All right. Amen. Yeah. And also, Scott, as far as them talking about, you know, the church and, and politics, and I think it's fantastic that they're talk, talking about us. You know, because people were afraid to talk about the church, and now people are just, hey, we're done with that. You ain't going to tell me what to do. You've seen what the NFL did, all those big bruisers taking yeah. a knee and crap. Well, the NFL you thing know, is that's happening is great, right? It's showing us that we, um, it's not great what happened to uh, that young man, and hopefully he is doing better, so they say. We still don't know. 
but the, but you know we moved past all of that. Ted, thanks for calling uh, Southern California Live. We moved past. It's amazing how when it's time to just pray, uh, we move past the controversy, and that really is the the church. Uh, there's a guy I can't remember his name, but he's an ESPN commentary commentator who prayed on the air and made his co-commentators pray on the air about that. It was great, and you think, and you know what? It it's it's the way it should be, right? That should be what the church is looked at from the outside. Uh, that's how the church should be looked at. Not you know what started this conversation was MSNBC saying that what's happening in Congress looks like a church fight. It's like, no, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't have that in church fight. 888-528-2557. Albert in San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Oh, hi, Albert. Go ahead. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Great, great. I think uh, to bring unity to the church, the mudslinging has to stop. you got pastors throwing mud at other pastors criticizing them for believing in things that they don't believe in. Uh, they pick and choose what they want to believe in instead of uh, believing in the whole gospel. Believe, they believe in a partial gospel. And then uh, on top of that, they're all trying to justify their actions by uh, saying this one is wrong, that one's wrong, we're right, follow us. And uh, to me, it's uh, hypocritical because the gentleman said it clearly before me. He said it that they were not... Div- rightly discerning the Lord's body. Well, who's the Lord's body? You, mm. me, everybody that has Jesus Christ in them is the Lord's body because Christ is in us. So we don't recognize each other as being part of the family of God. So we're muchling at them, muchlinging at them, and and vice versa. And, and that's it has to stop there because that's what Jesus said is first take the log out of your own eye before you can start criticizing others. Yeah, there's a whole lot. You're right about that, Albert, where we need to, thanks for calling Southern California live where, you know, the, the church is you and I, it's not the building on the corner or the 501 C three or the denomination. You know, we have those things and I think God can use the different ways and different approaches to, uh, teaching the gospel and to worshiping God, and that's I think that's okay. I think we're all made differently, and we all have different needs. But you know, when we're critical of each other, we have to we have to remember that we're being critical of God's church, then of the bride of Jesus. Right? I don't think Jesus likes it when we criticize his wife. We have to be really careful. We do have to examine ourselves. Jesus does this in Revelation. Jesus tells us, you know, who's in good shape and who isn't. Um, we have to take a look at that and be sober-minded about it. You know, something I've noticed is that uh, whenever we're on mission, and this, I think, really is the key to unity. So we have this conversation, you know, where does the church get off, uh, off base? It's when we don't have the unity of our mission to let people know about Jesus Christ. When Jesus prays about unity, first he starts talking about eternal life. We read that in the last segment. For you granted him authority over all people that he may be may give human uh, eternal life to all those you've given. It's so much about eternal life through Jesus Christ. And, you know, this is to be our concern for other people. It's one of the reasons that you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's because it's not about you being okay. It's about them being okay for eternity. And if you have to suffer some slings and arrows so that that person can find Jesus and get saved— uh, it's worth it. And the mission 
by the way, staying focused on on making disciples of Jesus Christ is the key to joy. You know, what I find is that when churches are in conflict, it's usually because they're just people who aren't happy about something and they don't have joy, joy in the Lord. Otherwise, you know, when you have joy in the Lord, you tolerate people who differ from you in a whole lot of different ways, right? Because your joy is in the Lord. Your joy is in like, you know what? That person might be a little crazy, but, uh, and I disagree with them on these particular points, but, uh, you know, and, and I know, I know there are points you got to agree on. There are, there are some, you know, some non, you know, some things that you cannot compromise on, but those are small. That's a small list of things. The mission is the key to joy. Jesus tells us that I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. See, the result of mission is joy. The result of being on mission is joy. And if you look at these things and you look at what, you know, when the church has joy, it's when we're on mission. It's when people are coming to Christ. It's when kids get up and they sing the songs and they say the Bible verses. And when families come and when people get saved, when people get sober, when people turn their life to Christ, when people repent, when you see life change and you see unity, not because everybody agrees on everything, but because we agree on the main things. And we don't exaggerate our own significance. Instead, we lose our significance so that people see Christ. We don't raise our own needs to be higher than anything else in our our church. We raise other people's needs. We have great joy when we do that. Church is awesome when we do that. And the mission of the church happens. See, we're called to change the world. We actually are. And even with all of our problems, the church has done pretty well at changing the world in the last 2,000 years. It really has. And that is an amazing thing. You stay on mission, by the way, by following Jesus in your life. Verse 14, he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That's Jesus praying for you. They are not of the world, even as I am not part of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, for them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Notice we're sent. We're missionaries. We are ambassadors. We, that's what we do. And what God is doing is he's making us holy, sanctified. That's, a, that's one of those church words, right? But that's what it means. And when we're on mission, when we realize that everything is about that, we have joy. We have joy in our congregations. We have joy in our Christian communities and our small groups. You know, our small groups turn into like gossip uh, centers. They eventually dissolve and friendships break up, right? The scriptures teach that, that gossip separates close friends. People can gossip, you know, in small group in church, saying, dear God, we need to pray for Fred. Fred is such a pig. Let me tell you why, right? That's what we do. Don't do that. Follow Jesus. Pray for each other and stay on mission. You've got a mission. Love the people that God has placed in your life. Be an example for those people. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have, not for the whole world, but for whomever God puts in your life. And I'll tell you what, the joy that we have in mission, the reputation of the church as representatives of Christ, it gets better when we stay on the mission that Jesus gave us and we don't get tied up on secondary matters. Lots more we can say about that, but we're out of time for this hour. We'll be back next hour talking about whether or not we're going extinct, according to 60 Minutes. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.